Welcome back to another episode of George in the Jungle. I am Aaron Smith, joined as always by George Vogel, the legend himself. And today, Chad Brendel will be joining us for this show's entirety as we do a crossover episode for George in the Jungle, presented by Remington Tavern, and the Nightcap, presented by Galactic Fried Chicken. Uh, Remington Tavern can be found at 8892 Glendale Milford Road, 45140, where they have daily happy hours from 3 to 7 p.m., $5 Woodford Wednesdays, Instagram. They can be found at Remy Tav Cincy. That's R-E-M-I-T-A-V Cincy with the Y, or you can follow them on Facebook. And again, this show is also brought to you by Galactic Fried Chicken. You can check them out in Dayton, Kentucky, right over the river. You can order right on the website at www.galacticfriedchicken.com. Put in your order. They will deliver anywhere inside the 275 loop. Uh, make sure you tell them pump it up when you place your order. You can save yourself 15%. Get in on that galactic goodness. It is out of this world. And your final tonight is 67-59. Houston, the number one team in the country. Takes out the Bearcats at home in what was a – I don't feel the, the final score is an indication of what the game actually was personally. I disagree completely. They did everything <laughs> defensively and on the glass you do to keep a game close. Like, like they, they – the effort was incredible. They defended Houston. At, they shot – they had a higher field goal percentage than Houston for the game. They out-rebounded Houston. They out-toughed Houston. They did the little things that should have resulted in a Cincinnati win, but the offense was dreadful again. So, like, I, I know. Like, you're a fan. You watch offense. You don't really pay attention to anything else. I get it. <laughs> That's all you talk about is offense. I'm not like it's that's Doesn't a fan mean that I'm thing not to watching do. Defense. Okay. That's 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 what fans do, Aaron. You claim you're like you're the representation of the fan. So that if you're a fan and you're watching and focusing on offense, you would call that a miserable performance. It was okay. not a miserable performance. They played their asses off. They just couldn't, they especially in the first half, they couldn't score. They had wide open layups, they had wide open threes, they threw some of the dumbest fucking passes I've ever seen in my life. Like, I, I get the frustration on that end and where you're coming from when you say that. But in the grand scheme of things, that was as good as they played in probably three weeks. It is maddening. All I'm the, saying. I, I know it's Houston, but it's maddening that the turnovers continue to be an issue. It's maddening. Yeah, agreed. And, and the passing is just, can this team ever run a fast break? I mean, I'm serious. There are junior high teams who have better fast breaks than this team. I mean, they, they get run outs and throw these bad passes. I, I just don't get it. All I would say is those missed layups and everything early in the game really come back to bite them because they did make it a game. And, Chad, they didn't give up. They did play well. They played really good defense for the most part. Um, but it, it is infuriating when you see the same things over and over again. 
Yeah, like all I was. George, I can. Uh, no, I know what I know what you're saying. I'm not. I'm not. I'm. I'm just saying from an effort and like they played better than they played in a while, Aaron. The offense is just like it's bad. Like there, we can't, there's nothing else we can say. It's bad. The offense. I don't is disagree. Bad. All I was saying when I said that the score is not an indication of the game is I never felt that Cincinnati actually had a chance to take this game. I don't feel like they were ever in a position to actually win. But that's self-inflicted because they were as bad as they sure. were on offense is what I'm getting at. The, that's, they should that's have had all, a chance to listen. win. They they should have been in a position to win as good as they did everything else. And I, I felt that um, they did have a chance where you felt like, hey, maybe this is going to happen was when that phantom foul was called, the, the flagrant one, where I what they get it down to at that point? Six or somewhere in that neighborhood? No, it was, it was nine, was I think. They, and it just... they were down 15, and then Jizzle hit a three, and CMOS hit a three, or Jizzle hit a three, and John hit a three to cut it to nine. Um... It was somewhere in that realm. And then the flagrant one, it's, I just, I don't understand it. Like, I, I don't, I don't get yeah, it. And before people start hopping in and saying, we're saying the refs cost them the game or not. The no. refs did not cost them the game. But when, when something like that is a momentum breaker, um, it stands out. It really does. I just don't understand what about that was flagrant one. Like if he if he raises his arm and hits shed in the face, okay, that's a flagrant one. You're not allowed Maybe to like chuck a guy. Yeah, I mean if you, Aaron, look, <laughs> I'm the biggest proponent of if you're going to accuse me for it, I better have done it. Get your money's <laughs> worth. <laughs> right. But shed just comes sneaking in. Aziz locates him, boxes him out. On a three from CMOS that's coming over the top, and somehow it's a flagrant one. I just don't, I don't understand where that call came from. I, I don't. I it, it it's. But my other when favorite you thing it. When, when you get to review it, that's that's what drives they, me nuts. They didn't call it live, not even a common foul. Right. Like, I'm not even mad if they call it a right. common foul, and they're like, "I'll gotcha." And then they go review it on the monitor, and they're like, yeah, that that we're upgrading that foul to a flagrant one. I get that. They called it after Shed bitched shit. as he's pretending he got kicked in the dick or something. I don't I don't know what that was. <laughs> I don't know either. But bottom line is uh, they had some opportunities early to, to keep from falling into that hole they fell into. And there's just been too many games like this where they don't convert layups, they don't convert fast breaks, and they turn the darn thing over, and it's killed them. And it has just killed this team. And what, what concerns me and is that I do see the same mistakes and the same things happening over and over. I don't know if that's talent. Um, I know coaches try to coach that out of them, but – you want to see teams getting better, and 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 they did. I mean, when when you lose to the number one team on the road like that tonight, and, and you do it, you know, you keep it in single digits. I mean, really, is that the 
see the world know when you couple it with other things you've seen, uh, like Saturday's performance at TCU, you start to worry a little bit about what's going on here. And it actually, I was wrong. That was way earlier in the, the first half or the second half than I recall. CMOS hit a three to cut it to nine with 18-15 left. They call the, the flagrant one. Shed makes both free throws. Immediately, Sharp makes a three. Dan misses a jumper. Sharp makes another three. And a nine-point game goes to 17 in 45 seconds. Right. Yeah, they had an eight-point run there. Uh, Josh agreed. Happy for Vic. Uh, showed some life tonight. Hope he finishes the year strong. Guess what? They played their best tonight when Vic was playing well. And that is not coincidence. What did I say when he started going in the tank? For this team to reach its ceiling, Vic has to play well. Vic has not played well, and this team has cratered. That's not an accident. What I what I don't get, You're muted, it, it seems like it, it started when he missed that game. It, it seems like when he missed that game when he was sick, um, he hadn't been the same guy. Is there something I missed injury-wise, sickness-wise, whatever? Because he just wasn't the same guy in that stretch at all. No, I think he just lost his – I think he lost his confidence, George. And for him, God, I mean, he plays on confidence. He plays on – Emotion, emotion and energy yeah. and i don't think he's had any for a month tonight he but did. I, I just don't understand a guy with that kind of experience not happening to him i just I, I don't know i just feel like there was something else and who knows what it is if it's a personal thing i, I don't know but it just seemed like there was something else going on that, that caused that because it's not like he's a freshman it's not like oh, he's a all i can he's all i can tell experience. you george I've asked those questions and everybody said there's nothing there's nothing in his personal life there's nothing happening back home there's nothing that that got him off kilter he just he had the illness I think the illness affected him for a game or two and then he came back and he just couldn't find that rhythm and he is he's a rhythm guy he's an emotion guy like he yeah. he thrives off of success and he hasn't had any success. Like yeah, that's that's for him. That's the biggest thing. And you know, I think one of the things, George, that you know, has, was obvious at, at at the middle point of the Big Twelve season. Big Twelve teams figured, get his head, talk shit, push him yeah. around, be physical, and you can get him out of that right mentality that he needs. And it snowballed. Hopefully, tonight is is the catalyst to seeing him close out the season strong. Yeah, he finishes a a rebound shy. Finishes a rebound shy of a double-double. That's a hell of a way to make a comeback statement. Right. Yeah, I hope he learned from it, and that that won't happen again because I feel like he's got too much experience. And, and, you know, I I just feel like he has too much experience to allow that to happen. Um, But we've seen it happen to guys on the professional level. I mean, it just – not everybody's built the same way and things happen to people, but I, I hope he learned from it and he doesn't go through another stretch like that. Um, because as you said, Chad, they do need him. 
I mean, it's very obvious they need him. George, I think what's interesting is to that point, like a lot of times your leading scorer goes through something like that. You have to play. They didn't have to play. Like he started playing bad. His minutes went from 26 to 21 to 19 to 13 to nine to not playing. Like they didn't have to ride him out and force him to get back on track. They were able to say, look, Aziz, we're just going to play Aziz and Jamil. Now, the interesting point tonight is he played a lot of five. He did not play a lot of four. He played a lot of five. Um, yeah. More than he has in a long time. So yeah. we'll see what that means uh, long term. Short term, because there's no long term left. It's February 27th. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, yeah. Um, well, I just, I, I, very disappointing, uh, even though it is the Big 12 and it is you're playing a lot of good teams. I just felt like, sure. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, Chad, that I will. I, I really felt like in January I saw this team improving. I felt like they were improving. And, and you could sense it like week after week, they were starting to get some traction and playing well. And, th- and then, you know, it's kind of like they hit a wall somewhere. And this thing, I, I won't say went off the rails because if it went off the rails, they wouldn't have played as hard as they did tonight and, and compete the way they did tonight. But um, it felt like they just weren't getting better anymore. And, and Vic was a big part of this. They got worse. I think that's fair. Like I said, for this team to reach its ceiling, Vic has to be good. And and when Vic went through a stretch where he wasn't good, the team went through a stretch where they weren't good. Um, I do think some of it too, George. We talked about this when it happened at the beginning of the season or at the beginning of conference play. You let Texas game get away. You let the Oklahoma game get away. You let maybe upsetting Baylor get away. Uh, you let a 10-point lead at West Virginia, get away. And in this league, if you are trying to crawl back from under 500, where you're always, you know, okay, we're we're three and five, and then we're four and five, and then we're four and six, and then we're five and six, and then we're three and seven, and like at five and seven, and then five and eight, like you're in quicksand because right. you never get there. Who has done that in this league this year? Who has gone from two or three games under 500 to a winning streak? There are no winning streaks unless you're Houston, unless you're a top 15 team in the country. There are no winning streaks in this league. You might get two. If you're damn lucky, you might get three. But you're in hand-to-hand combat every game. And when you don't close out those opportunities, when you put yourself behind the eight ball, it's mentally and physically exhausting. And I think that's what got to them. Oklahoma State, right. I think they underestimated Oklahoma State. I think they did the thing that you can't do in this league. They're in last place. They stink. Uh, we're going to kill them. And you didn't. And then TCU, they beat they beat the hell out of you in the second half. I think that's mental and physical fatigue from constantly putting themselves in a bad position. They put themselves in this position. They did not put themselves yeah. in a position where they could play free and comfortable. 
look, these kids aren't stupid. They hear you're on the bubble, your first four in, your last four out, you're this, you're that. These kids hear all that. And that pressure over a long stretch gets to you. What it we've heard, like go go to spring training, George. What have we heard constantly from everybody at spring training since the Reds uh got to camp? They ran out of gas at the end of last year. Right? Ellie right. ran out of gas. Uh th this guy ran out of gas. Right. Uh, Hunter Green ran out of gas. They had never done it before. They had never, they didn't know what it took at the next at the highest level. I don't think this team knew what it took at the highest level, and I think they took for granted, we'll be okay. That's okay. We lost a close game at home in Texas. They made a shot. We'll be okay. We lost a close game at home against Oklahoma where I don't think – I've never thought Oklahoma was that good this year. We'll be okay. But, no, you're digging a giant hole to get out of, and you can't crawl out of the quicksand. Yeah, and this was the first time through this kind of a gauntlet for all of these yeah. guys. All of them. Um, it really was because, you know, the Big 12 is the best conference in the country, and there really are no off nights. And, you know, if UC didn't find that out before West Virginia, they sure found that out that night when they got that kid back and, and played really well and, and blow the 10-point lead. And... Um, it's yeah, and you remember the old Big East days when UC first got in there. Who could you who could you count on beating? Nobody unless you played well. You've got to play well to well, win these games, and it is the first I time for them to go through there, this rush. I disagree a little there because that's oh, the one thing I think that that differentiates this league from that old Big East. That old Big East had some. DePaul was awful. DePaul St. John's was. was, you know, Seton Hall was in a really down stretch. St. John's was kind of iffy. I know, but I'm saying, like, uh, this league, I don't think there's – there were some – those teams were in, like, the 200s and Ken Palm or RPI or whatever we used it. The, there were some objectively bad teams in that, that Big East back in that time. Now – the top 12 was absolutely everything that, that they're experiencing right now. Right. I mean, you're, yeah. I mean, it, it was a, it was a gauntlet, but you're right. There, there were a couple of games where you're like, okay, we don't have to play our best to win. Right. And this and league, there, you have to, there were a couple, but those were few and far between. And yeah, there, sure. there's um, I, quite honestly, until they played West Virginia, I thought that might be a game. They wouldn't have to play their best to win, but Raekwon Battle, Jesse Edwards, Kirk Carissa. They have talent. They have plenty of talent. No, they do. Just, they do. Did we lose Aaron? It, it just, what's that? I said, did we lose Aaron? Yeah, I don't know. I think he's on the Xbox. Uh, <laughs> 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 but... Um, I, I I am disappointed in this season. I, I must say, sure. Um, it, yeah. It's you know I thought they could hover around five hundred in this thing and and probably be inside of the bubble when it came tournament time and make it. Um, now they got to run the table in the tournament, and the odds of that are very very slim. 
they're they're not winning out. They're not winning the the Big Twelve tournament now. Maybe if you win three in a row uh, to end the season, which they haven't won two in a row all year, so I'm I'm not counting on that in right. any way, shape, or form. Maybe if you win three no, and you get to eight, and you're eight and ten, and you make the semifinals, or, or you win two games against the problem, though, is right now they're they're probably going to play on Tuesday, and right. you're not going to get a great matchup on Tuesday. That's not going to be a right. favorable RPI win um so yeah i mean i i don't know george it's it's frustrating as hell uh ed this is an easy answer when should they expect to be contending for the ncaa tournament one they've contended for the ncaa tournament this entire season now they're they're probably out but it's february 27th so that is contending for the ncaa tournament if your question is when are they going to make the NCAA tournament, it has to be next year. You're going to have a, barring something crazy in the portal, who knows? You're going to have a veteran roster. You're going to have guys that have been here more than a year, guys that that should be acclimating into the system. You should be able to go get a, a quality addition or two in the portal, hopefully uh, heavily offensive-oriented uh, uh one or two guys of that nature, but it, there's a problem. I, I this year, here's the thing that George, you can agree with or disagree with me. I'm talking a lot. I'm going to shut up in a minute. Sorry. Um, when when this season started, what did we say? This is a team that should hover around 500 in the league and should right. contend for the NCAA tournament. They should be on the bubble most of the season. Are they off the bubble a week or two Correct. sooner than, than we would like? Absolutely, yes. But this team is not far off from what the expectations were when the season started. Next year, when the season starts, the expectations are get to the NCAA tournament. You've been through the league. You understand the grind. You have a veteran roster. These guys know the system. They know what they're 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 dealing with from 1 to 20. Remember, next year it goes from 18 to 20 conference games, so there's – two more than there have been but next year contend for the b make the tournament next year not contend for the tournament make the tournament next year you have learned the lessons all of the things yeah yeah i'm gonna to. sit out for a while and let you guys talk I'm well sorry. you have to but i feel like also um in the in the non-conference portion of the schedule i felt very uneasy after i saw this team play against xavier and I know Dayton's a lot better than we thought they were going to be, but not just losing to uh, Dayton, they got blasted by Dayton. And those were the, you know, you could throw Georgia Tech in there, but those were the two big targets in that non-conference schedule. And that's when I really started getting sketchy, saying, okay, this is a team that can win the games where they have a decided talent advantage. And if they don't have that decided advantage, they don't win the game. Um, I was probably proven somewhat wrong on that early in the in the Big 12 schedule and some wins came around and, you know, Texas Tech on the road got me back on the bandwagon. But I really haven't seen that happen much since. And I've seen some, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I saw some losses to teams with similar talent that I felt like shouldn't happen. I just feel like they shouldn't be in this position. But again, they are 
Um, do you fire West? No. Um, but next year they've got to make the tournament. I mean, I think it's, it, I, I like the talent trajectory that the program is on. It's time to start seeing some results on the floor. Yeah. I mean, you've certainly seen some growth out of some players and the fact that I, I still go, kind of go back to what we've seen tonight out of Vic, Vic could have given up on the season. Hell, I mean, the, the team could have given right, up. Right. And that's season. good. But I, I, but you know, I mean, did Dan help him a lot tonight? Did, did, did I mean, did Newman help him a lot? Maybe defensively, but um, there, there are some things that I, you know, yeah, it's great that Vic bounced back and had a good game tonight, but there's a, some other horses that you're supposed to rely on that I didn't see out of them. Dan had eight and eight. I mean, point eight, eight, eight rebounds. Vacation. Yeah, he probably had six of those points in the last two minutes. Yeah. Uh, but again, that, I think that's part of this team not giving up, even in the waning minutes of a game where you're down with, I don't know, like 10 minutes left. You're, you're down, what, like 13 and 15? And this team still found a way to at least be within two possessions at the end of the game uh, to where you're fouling to try and, and catch up still. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's – So now so – now, so now, so now. So now the, the score was as close. The game was as close as the score in the game. <laughs> like I said, I mean, I, I still I don't believe uh, that this team ever had a chance to, to win. I, I still don't believe okay. this team ever had a chance to win. I mean, but your just, chain, man. they were still within there. <laughs> yeah, no, they didn't give up, and they played hard, and I, I get all that. But um, And it was the number one team in the country. I can sit here and cry tears all night long. They played a damn good who's got a coach and a system that these guys are attuned to and know like the back of their hand. Uh, George, and on the road. Us, that, that's, a, that, that's a tough ask. Yeah. Can you do us one quick favor, George? Can you go into settings and maybe Absolutely. change your microphone to the, the laptop microphone instead of the, I think your AirPod microphone is on. Oh yeah, okay, okay. Is that bad? Uh, it's not picking up great. If you can use your laptop. If you can use your laptop microphone, it would be probably significantly better. Okay, sorry about that. That oh there man, that's oh that is world better. That is <laughs> phenomenal. Now I don't need these things. I don't think. I don't know if you can hear well, us. If it goes back to the AirPod. <laughs> I hear you now. But oh, just back to the AirPod. I don't know. That's Whatever. because I, I'll try it one more time. But go ahead, keep the app, and I can hear you. Guys. Don't take them out of your ear, George. Leave them in your <laughs> ear. I know. I just learned that lesson. Okay, hold on. We're going. You guys. I, I'm not as. Uh, technically ignorant as I appear or as an old man would be. Is that any better? Or is that there you go. Same? No, Perfect. that is, it's whatever Perfect. you're doing. Leave it there. Don't change anything. Okay, don't so move. Here, no, don't here. move. Don't move. I'm not. I, and So I've got to hear you guys out of the phone speaker, but I can't take these AirPods out or it messes with the microphone. This is really bizarre. 
but I'm good. I can hear you guys. All right. Very good. We're golden. And if you happen to hear any snoring next to me, we'll just say, uh, we'll just say it's my dog's asleep over there. Because my wife would never snore. Never. That's unbecoming, George. Okay, good. I'm going to beat your ass. Uh-oh. 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 I didn't hear that. You don't have a dog. I know I don't have a dog. I was making it up. I was going to tell him I had a dog named Spud. And Mrs. Vogel from the Raptors. Oh, my God. I thought she was so cold out of it and would never hear that. Oh, that's what you get for thinking. <laughs> Go back to sleep, please. <laughs> oh, that's uh, great. It was better know. for the AirPods guy. <laughs> I, I, it, I, I, I this. Oh, God. That's going funny. back to what you were saying, though, George, I think two two games you really have to, I guess three, if you count both games against Houston, if we, if we do indeed play Houston twice next year. In the twenty-game slate we have, please no, please no. <laughs> I, I, think, I think I think you have to circle Houston and and Xavier though as maybe the most important games next year. You can't keep losing to Houston every single time that you play them. You can't keep losing to Xavier every single time that you play them and expect to be just let off the hook. Right, okay, it's five five in a row to X. And I think I remember Wes saying that that he would remedy that when he came here. And 11 in a row to Houston, which is unbelievable to me. But, um, you know, they, they've hung tough in some of those games and got blown out in others. But, you know, it never comes down to just that. But I do hear what you're saying, Aaron. I mean, for the fan base and, and the feel good of the program. Um, they certainly got to circle that X game next year, and that's going to be a fifth third. I agree that you you need to get off the schneid against those two teams, absolutely. But if they make the tournament, I don't care if they, they don't win a game against Houston or Xavier next year. Like, th this team has to get back to the tournament. That is the well, ultimate. I think, the, I think those are keys, though, of getting back sure. to the tournament is to beating those two teams in particular. But, Aaron, in this league, it doesn't – I mean, you're going to have 20 games in this league next year to get big wins. I mean, you're going to – the opportunity to get big wins is going to be there. Again, you have to close out the close games. You have to – you play to win the game. You don't play to to be the closest home loss for Houston this year. Like that's, that's a good – it's a good measuring stick, good though, if you're, able, for sure. if you're able to beat your rivalry games. And but at, at this point, Aaron, Houston's not a rivalry anymore because we lose every single time we play Houston. And Xavier's, I know it's labeled a rivalry game, but it's not been close for a while. Aaron, if they beat Houston and Xavier and miss the tournament, are you happy next year? I'm feeling a little bit better about those rivalry are games you for happy? sure. Are you happy? <laughs> I mean, it's, a, it's That was a good answer, Aaron. <laughs> oh, that sidestepping. Uh, I guess it depends on what the rest of the season looks like. I mean, if you if you win seven games and and two of them are those two teams, fuck it. That that's a terrible fucking season. I don't want any of that. 
I, I would like to hope that, that there's a few more opportunities in the non-conference. And I know you can't beef it up to the max when you got that Big 12 schedule. But I, They're going to 20. 20 Big 12 games. But I, I want to see, see more than Xavier Dayton. And, and although they did have Georgia Tech on there. And, Georgia and, Tech will be back again. Xavier will be back again. And then... The word is that they're going to play in a more legitimate MTE, which would have solved the problem this year. Uh, but instead, they played a bad MTE that didn't give them a couple extra quality yeah. uh, opponents in the non-conference. I mean, right. if you only have 11, you play four quality opponents in the non-conference, and you have seven bye games, then you have 20 big 12 games. That's enough. That's right. Enough. Well, five. Because you'd have, well, Dayton's not a for sure thing next year. It might happen again. I don't know. Um, I I just like those regional games too. Yeah. I really enjoy those. Right. That's my thing, Josh. There's no scenario where they miss the tournament next year and and call it a success. I think this season was, was about adjustment, was about figuring out how ready they were for the Big 12. And I think we learned that they were ready for the Big 12 in terms of being competitive, they were not ready for the Big 12 in terms of getting to 9, 10, 11 wins in this league. They were not ready for that. And I think some of that, like if we really want to get into the weeds with this conversation, I think some of that was a miscalculation by Wes. And what I mean by that is he willingly went into the season with two point guards, that had never played a minute of Division One basketball. I think both of those guys are going to see a significant increase in their production and um, playability next year. I mean, we're seeing some of that right now as he's playing them a lot Together more. down the stretch. But you have to with CJ out. You have to. But that I gets agree. to my other. That gets to my other point, Aaron. Really, the only other guard you went into this season with was CJ who was injury prone. So of your three guards that you're going into the Big 12 with, two of them have never played, albeit talented, two of them have never played Division One basketball before, and CJ had an injury history. And then on the wing, like you were, you were good enough on the, close to good enough on the wing, especially defensively, but now you're taking John out of that mix. And then you went, they have four bigs. Four seven-footers on this roster. And they have learned in this league, it's very difficult to play two. It's not very difficult to play two bigs. I think that is a misconception that people have been caught up in. You know who plays two bigs the entire game? Houston. They do it pretty well. But you can't play two seven-footers that neither of which really, you know, Jamil has come around offensively some. But Aziz doesn't give you a lot of offense. And Vic at the four wasn't giving you a lot of offense. You can play a Jawan Roberts. You can play a 6'9 forward that's a bruiser with a center and have some success in this league. What you can't do is, is have two of your five guys on the court not really be able to impact the game consistently offensively. What have we learned about this league? It's a guards league. It's a wing league. It's a wing league more than anything, but it's also there's great guards and they did not load up enough on guards. And I, I think going into this portal season, 
you have got to understand you have to have more punch. You have to have more pop offensively. You have to have more firepower, and they did not have enough, especially with CJ playing, what, four, five Big 12 games? Right. I do like, feel you like have, you have to score. You got to score. But when CJ was in there, and it wasn't very much, I, I felt like there should have been more stuff run for him to be open and get shots. And I just didn't see a lot of like catch and shoot opportunities for him unless it was kind of on the run and he was down in the corner. But George, he was never out there enough for them to really develop any rhythm with him offensively. I know, but I just I look the hard look, here's the hard part. He's out for six games, and you you create an identity over those six games. Correct. And then and then you put him in. Well, that he's going to have to work himself back into what they're doing offensively. And then every time you would feel like he's turning the corner, he gets hurt again. And, and then he's out. And then when he comes back, you have to do the same process over again. That's That was the problem with CJ much more than anything. Um, I think your dog's moving back there. <laughs> I think I see a paw. Is that a paw? <laughs> good, the dog's dog. good, good boy, good boy. Uh, yeah. Be quiet, Spud. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, but the big hope would be for next year too is that, as you expressed about those two guards, that that Jizzle and Day Day. You know they do a lot of things really well, but one thing, especially. Day-Day struggled with was just shooting the damn ball when he was wide yeah. open. Yeah. He's been bad I mean, that, if, if he had that part of his game, and I pray he does it because he, he's got a lot of talent. If he gets that, um, th those two are going to be dynamite. But but you got to have that. You, you, you can't be bricking these wide open shots and missing these layups all the time and expect yep. Two for nine defense to respect you a whole lot. I mean, it's easy to sag off a guy when he can't make a shot out there. Right. What did Hugs used to say? Sometimes you're open for a reason, son. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I mean, between Jizzle and Day-Day, Day-Day uh, was – he had six points. He was two of nine from the floor. Uh, and Day-Day, day, day six points, two of nine from the floor. Jizzle, seven points, three of nine from the floor. So – 13 points on five of 18 shooting from your point guards. Dede did have six assists, which has been, you know, a, a gripe with him that his assist numbers weren't where they needed to be. They were tonight. Six assists, one turnover for Dede. Two assists, four turnovers for Jizzle. So eight assists, good. Five yep. turnovers, bad. Bad. There, you know what there's been, George? There's been too many games where one of them is is reliable and solid and the other one doesn't get the job done. If you're going to play two point guards, you better have two point guards that are consistently good, and they have not had that this year. Yeah, and it's, it's you know, you, you want to try to it, – it's easy for me to sit here and say roll with the hot hand and the guy that's doing well that night and all that, but – but when it's like inconsistent, one night it's the one guy, one night it's it's just tough. That's a lot for a coach to figure out. And 
Uh, you just need a little more shooting consistency out of both of those guys because they're both terrific. I mean, they're both great athletes. They're both quick. They're both quick with the ball. Um, I, I still have high hopes for both of them. Uh, obviously, Jizzle has more time left with the program, but hopefully next year uh, it, it clicks for them because they're, they're both just terrific athletes. It's hard for me to <laughs> sit here and rip on those dudes when they can do some of the things they do out there. And, and quite honestly, and I, I do feel like Jizzle sometimes got a little lost defensively, but it's his first year playing college basketball. He's doing sure. things he's never been asked to do at the other level. And, and I think he'll get it. He certainly has the athleticism to do it. Um, Thomas's defense, I think at times was off the charts good. And people would be like, well, Thomas is, you know, Two for eight. Why was he in the game? Well, he was guarding the other team's best guard and shutting them down. That's why he was right. in the game. And yeah. and I think Jizzle has that ability too. Uh, but defensively, he may not be there yet. And sometimes, like with Jizzle, it looked like and and I would say this for a couple other guys who were first timers in the program this year, they're switching when they're not supposed to switch. You know, they're supposed to go over the screen or whatever the heck it is. But there were lots of times I saw guys doing things that probably they were coached before and just aren't into, you know, it's it's not a reaction yet for them. And it's a shame it takes that kind of time, but apparently it does. I do want to give Wes credit. You just reminded me of something, George. I do want to give Wes credit for something tonight. Because I yep. think I think people have this notion of like, they scream about changing defenses. Switch the defense. Play zone. It's always play zone. Like that's the the battle cry. Because uh, yeah, that's for, what we struggle against the most. <laughs> yeah. Play yeah. Zone. Why don't they play more zone? You know what they did tonight? I have not. It, I, I've press? not seen it this year. No, that came later when they had to press. What they did in that second half when Houston started to figure them out a little bit because their defense in the first half was incredible. When Houston started to finish, figure them out in the second half, they went from their ice coverage to they switched almost everything. And that is a drastic change in what they have done defensively. And it slowed Houston back down uh, when Houston had gotten that lead up to 15, 17 points. Everybody, right. like, so you have to understand there are – a million different man-to-man defenses. There's like five different zones. So when you're calling and screaming for the coach to change defenses, understand that he's probably changed defenses three or four times. Your eye just doesn't pick it up because you don't know what a what the difference between uh, ice coverage and drop coverage and you know sw- switching. Uh, ball screens on, you know, like defenders or whatever the case may be. They changed up their defenses multiple times tonight. They they did throw a one-three-one in uh, there for a minute in the first half. Another game, I want to say it was a Big 12 game. It was earlier in the season. They had a terrible first half. God, I forget which game this was now. It's going to drive me nuts. I'm going to be awake thinking about it all night. Where in the first half, UC got kind of owned. Their defense got owned, and at halftime, they came out in the second half and did a lot more switching and had great success with it. And I believe they ended up winning the game. I'm trying to remember. It was a home game, 
I was there watching that and I'm like, holy God, they're switching all over the place now. And I wonder, I, I could be wrong, I wonder if they should do that more. Because sometimes it's hard to fight over those screens and get through and and the big guys like wondering which way, you know, like if the guy doesn't yeah. get through, it's, I, I just wonder if they should, I, I don't know. I mean, that's a question for Wes, well, but it's hard because they were so good for such a long stretch at, at icing ball screens, at defeating screens, right. at taking teams completely out of their offense. And then somewhere along the way, and, and I know some have pointed to this. I, I'm not going to say they're wrong because I think it's definitely a possibility. John Newman hurts his ribs. And from that point on, the defense hasn't been that. They were trending. I mean, they, I think they got up as high as 15 in adjusted defense. Yes, we're doing very, you're right. Considering how bad they were at times in the non-conference, to have climbed that high, they were, they were right there with Houston and Iowa State as the best defenses in the conference. And then over the past, I don't know, three, four, five games, we've seen that take a dip. And the analytics have, have shown that. That's not just eye test. That is, they they were trending very high and then dropped right. down 40s, well, 50s. Like, they weren't bad, but they weren't great anymore. You've also seen Jamil's minutes go up. You've also seen Jizzle's minutes go up. You've also and seen... Those, those guys aren't great defensively. Correct. So I, I think there's a couple different factors that go into that. Is, sure. Is, I guess all I'm saying. No, I agree. I agree. Um, but but I do want to give some credit tonight because he did change what their identity was on defense uh, because Houston was starting to have some success. And I just wanted to point out, like, it's not always play zone. Sometimes it's go from playing over screens to just switching screens, enough to where it throws the Houston offense off base, and they did that tonight. I'd love to see them run more press from time to time throughout the game, not just when you have to at the end of the game. Because I thought tonight yeah. at the end of the game, their press was really effective. And I, Shed I beat them bad a couple times, but yeah, for the most part it was. I thought going into this season, though, with, with kind of the depth they have, that we might see more of that. That, you know, just run it out there and make the other team deal with it. And and take them out of what they're comfortable with, and maybe wear them out a little bit too. I know a lot of times the press wears your defense out, but if you got depth, and let's face it, Wes isn't afraid to make substitutions. Uh, why not roll with that a little bit, right? I think I think if you have Dayday and Jizzlin, I, I think that you should probably be flirting with the press often. At least they're in pressing to make teams uncomfortable. Maybe not pressing to trap and turn right. people over, but like pressing so that they don't get into their offense keep, until there's 20 seconds yes. on the yes. clock. Yeah, I, I agree completely. Um, yeah. I think some of that, again, is that they had been so damn good in conference play at what they were doing in the half court that I think they, you know, they, they rode that horse maybe a little too long, to your point. Um, I think that's maybe one of those things you have to learn as you're going through this league for the second time next year. Maybe you do have to have a couple extra pitches in your pocket. Maybe you do have to, you're going to work on what your primary defense is for, a, for the majority of the time. 
But if you build up, okay, we are going to have this change up where we switch everything. We are going to have this change up where we three quarter court press with our guards just to kind of keep you from, you know, those 19 two runs. Maybe you change up the defense and you're confident in it. I think that was the problem this year. They were not confident in pressing more. They were not confident in zoning. They were awful in zone. Most of the time they <laughs> ran it this season. Uh, yeah, they were. That that was, their... you, know, you know my sarcastic nature, George. Everybody's like, zone! And then they would zone and give up eight points in, in two and a half possessions. I know. It was, yeah. They'd be like, well, there's the zone. Now it, maybe it you know why they didn't good. run the zone. <laughs> I, I yeah, I take it they don't work on that a whole lot, I guess. They do, but it's just, I mean, it's really hard in this league to be really good at something. Like somebody pointed out um Baylor in the Baylor game. Baylor went to that one three one kind of amoeba zone. Right. Well, you know why they're confident in that in that, George? They've been running that zone for like nine years with Scott Drew as the head coach. Like, yep. So they can make that switch and not lose confidence or not lose assignment responsibility when they do it. And if you just if you don't play it a lot in games, if you don't drill it a lot in practice, it's really hard at this level to stop people when there's not confidence, when you're unsure of where you're supposed to be, what your assignment is. You know, I mean, it, it just. Yeah, and that. You know, in, in this age now of all these players moving around, how difficult is that going to be? You know, Kelvin Sampson's certainly been able to do it the past couple of years, and it seems like they haven't missed a beat. I, I can't say offhand how much player movement he's had. But with all this portal stuff and everything going on, um, wow. there be a – not a whole lot of programs that can do that stuff and do it well, right? Long-term or am I crazy? Here's the secret, George. The teams that are Affect having the, the most quality of basketball. The teams that are having the most success are the teams that don't rebuild their roster every year in the portal. They're the teams that have a right. solid roster exactly. and they have continuity. And then they say, we're short of two guard. And they go out and like UConn did. They get a really, really good two guard and they plug him in. And that two guard looks really good because he's got a lot of great players around him and he's able to just, just kind of be in his role and play. And uh, you guys know, I've said this for five years now. I, it, it, there is nothing good to have a roster that turns over seven plus players every year. That is more than half your roster. And they have turned over right. seven plus players in this program every season since Mick Cronin left. Seven plus players. There's no continuity. There's no, you know, what did we always do? George, you covered this. You know exactly what I'm talking about. What was the main thing in the Hugs years that they yep. talked about with JUCOs? Year two. Year one, year those two. a lot of those guys were pretty good, but they struggled. They had their ups and downs. They had their peaks and valleys. And in year two, they were outstanding. And you're seeing that in the transfer portal, the schools that are smart enough to take those guys with multiple years, they're being rewarded right. in year two. It's hard in year one. And, and, and that's so 
and I, it's no secret, and I, I'm sure everybody's trying to do that, but it feels like, you know, with with kind of a, you know, Wes is still really high on bringing in these high school kids um, and, and getting the transfers that have multiple years left. I, I know he's trying to do that, and that's what gives me hope that next year, year after, he, he can continue to build this thing and maybe get it to where people, you know, want it now because everyone wants instant gratification. Everyone wants. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. We, we lost all your audio, George. We, we lost all your audio. Can't hear you. We can't hear you at all. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what's happening. What did you do, George? What did you do? No, do the other. Like you're muted now. <laughs> it's like trying to talk your dad through like how to use his phone sometimes. <laughs> I don't know what you did. I know what that I mean, is. That is. <laughs> now he's back. Oh my! I don't know what it did. My I, my AirPods are just junk. <laughs> That's what it is. Take those. Actually, take your AirPods. Put them in the case, okay? And tomorrow, throw them in the ocean. <laughs> yes, I won't have to throw them far. Actually, I I'll tell you what the problem is. I've been at an old folks hotel in Lauderdale by the sea, and I'm just not sure anything works here electronically. So I'm going to blame it on the hotel, even though it's a great place. <laughs> and that damn dog that keeps moving around back there. Snoring. Yeah. <laughs> Snoring and saying, yeah, beat my ass. That's right. It's going to beat your ass, George. That's what it is. Oh, boy. What else, what else we got, boys? What else is cooking? Um... Looking ahead, you you have what? That's the last one of February. So you have Kansas State coming up. K State, Saturday. Oklahoma, West Virginia. Three. You got to finish what, strong. K State. What time's that game? Seven. Seven o'clock Saturday night. Yep. Okay. Three winnable games to finish out the season. But you haven't won two in a row yet in conference play. So I feel zero confidence that you're going to win three in a row. You have to win the home games. They 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 have to give this fan base a reward for what they have shown at Fifth Third Arena this year. You cannot well, the good go news is they're not they're not back to back. No. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. That's a great point, Eric. Yeah. That's a great point. <laughs> You cannot go three and six or two and seven at home. You have got to get to at least four and five. You have got to win against Kansas State, who they're a little Jekyll and Hyde. I mean, what they did last night was it, that was just one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. They got up 25. Gave it up, got down three, 
got it to overtime and won. And they're now like seven and zero in overtime this year, right? Is that what they're, I saw? Yeah, they're it's they're correct. eleven and zero under Jerome Tang in the last two years in overtime. Seven of them this year. That's Do not under any circumstance go to overtime on Saturday. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, play the do factor. They're due to lose one, right? So, but here was the thing about Kansas State that that stood out. Like this is kind of their mo. They made seven or eight threes in the final like six minutes of the first half. They made eleven threes in the first half. Damn. And they were George. They were threes that would make this fan base like throw up in a garbage can right next to the like where the TV is. They were <laughs> one pass early shot clock. No, like, no regard for human life. They're just dribbling down the floor, one pass, bang, bang, bang. Dribbling down the floor, doing a little hesitation, step back, bang. And all of a sudden, it went from a close game to a blowout. And then guess what happened in the second half? They stopped making threes. Yep. West Virginia came back and erased a 25-point deficit and took a three-point lead and blew it. And didn't get the win. So if you defend them, if they play anywhere near what they did tonight defensively, they win comfortably on Saturday. But we have to see that they attack the Kansas State game the way that they attack the Houston game. Right. Well, I, I feel like the good news is that Kansas State does not foul at the frequency called or not that Houston does because, my goodness. Uh, it was yeah. such a weird thing too, because like even on like the CMOS like ticky tack fouls that they called early on, just right away, two hand checks right away, and then they didn't call another hand check on anybody the rest of the game. The of the after game. those, after those they, two hand checks, they just took Cincinnati's best player and reduced his ability to defend within three minutes on two plays where he basically didn't even impact the play at all. And he's arguably their worst defender of the starters. Yeah. And he played good defense and got called for two bullshit fouls. I got some wild shit for you guys. Let's hear it. Uh, BYU 76, Kansas 68 in Fog Allen Fieldhouse. Wow. Final. Finally happened. And... Texas 65, Texas Tech 40 at oh, Texas Tech. Ah. 10 minutes left in the game, and there was just a little kerfuffle. Well, I tell saw me, Texas get out to the early lead, and then Texas Tech stored back, and made, and I, it was probably like a four-point game, but that was early. It was like 22-18 or whatever. Yeah. 65 um, to 40, 10 minutes left, and – the the officials are at the monitor for a Donnybrook. Yeah, oh, more of a kerfuffle. It was a kerfuffle. Look, tonight I would have been I would have <laughs> gladly taken a Cincinnati Houston Donnybrook. <laughs> I don't think you want to fight them, Aaron. Yeah, I know. I don't I don't want to fight anybody. <laughs> Good. I wanted them to fight. That's that's yeah, I'll stand back and watch one, but yeah, being in the middle of one. I was never real successful at that. 
somebody from Texas just got ejected and did the horns up on the way out. <laughs> That's good stuff. Do we have any other Bearcat stuff to talk about then on this one? No. We've been at no. it for an hour. Yeah. No moral think. victories, but after TCU, it was good to see some resilience, some resistance. Yes, like, because it would have been easy to just – you knew you were cooked at right. that point. You should be able to get up for the number one team in the country no matter what, but coming off that embarrassment on Saturday, I hear where you're coming from. And uh, I'll pig, uh, piggyback on what you said about those fans at Fifth Third. They've been really good this year. The crowds have been good. They've turned out. The upper deck's been good. Um, it's everything – the administration could have hoped for to get out of this fan base for that inaugural season. You just hope they continue to do it because if you do that, you're going to get where you want to go. Yeah. We've even seen the red sweater crowd up on their feet at times during this season. And that's a small miracle in and of itself. George two and 10. What's that? Two and 10. You know what that is? Not yet. Big 12 record at Nippert Stadium and Fifth Third Arena. They did not win a big – they had five Big 12 games at home. <laughs> win a single one of them. Uh, and they are two and five That's right crazy. now. Two and ten. That is crazy. Well, Last they night, start, Chad. start fixing it this Saturday and then continue this fall. Last night, Chad blamed Under Armour for it, George. Yeah. He blamed I Under did. Armour. I did. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. You know why, George? Ah, Why? Because when you're Under Armour, you must protect this house. And Under Armour Armour left, and they stopped protecting the house. That was like their first big campaign and slogan. Right. I think Chad Chad took kickback money from Under Armour last night, though, as he was also wearing Under Armour while he said it instead of any of his Nike or – Jordan gear. He he was rocking Under Armour as he's making this Under yeah. Armour discovery. Get out of here. It just hey, dawned I'm... on me that ever since the place that, that promoted We Must Protect This House left, they yeah. haven't protected this house. They're 2-10, and ten, Aaron. 2-10, and ten, Nike Jordan. You took a kickback hey, back and I don't even know about. How much uh, do you still have Adidas UC gear, Chad? Uh, you a do. couple things, very little. Yeah, I pulled something out the other day. I didn't know I still had it, and it was Adidas on it. Like, I've got hats, you know, the pullovers. I think I got a jacket. That's a, I, I just never throw stuff away. So, I've got so here's the problem. And, I've got a jacket and, sh- and shorts. Here's Adidas. the problem with the Adidas apparel, George. Yeah. I was skinny uh, back then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and now I am not skinny anymore. Uh, so I don't fit into any of that stuff. So there's probably a bunch in like boxes somewhere. Okay. So a couple weeks ago, um, I'm actually, I think I was going to do it with you, Aaron. And I had this old school Bearcat shirt. And I mean, this is from like the early nineties with that old logo on it. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to pull that out of the drawer where I couldn't get the thing on. So. (laughs) It's it's either going to become a rag 
or it's going to the nephew. George, you want to hear something hilarious? Yeah. So I do a lot of like, um, like during the week, I'll do like a hit for somebody like, you know, hey, can you come on our podcast? Talk about this. Talk about that. Right. So I've got a little like section over here in my office that is like just a like a polo I can pull on uh, to do a hit like that. Whatever. Like that, I just have a little section that's got like three or four pieces of clothing to wear. OK, you know, throw something on whatever. So I went to grab something over there to put it on. And it was something that of Kelsey's. And I didn't pay attention and I just <laughs> grabbed it. And like, it was a, like a, like a, one of those like dry fit, like long sleeve hoodies, not a, not a big sweatshirt hoodie, but like a thin hoodie. And I grabbed it and I pulled it over my head and I started to put my arms in it. And I was like, something's wrong. Oh my God. That's great. <laughs> and I couldn't get it back off. You didn't rip it, did you? No, I got it off successfully. Once I calmed down, once I took a couple uh, deep breaths and realized, I, I think something's wrong here. Um, yeah. Hey. yeah. So, yeah. Did, wait, I did. It didn't get over the head, though, did it? No, it did. <laughs> okay. It got over the head, and I was like, "This is a little. Am I getting that back? Like Jesus? It got over the head, Chad. And then I went to put the arms in it. You know, you, you kind of give it this, and I'm uh, like, yeah. I felt like, felt like, a, like a, yeah, like a seal. Er, 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 er. Oh God, it's funny. I wish I had video yes. of it because it was very funny. All right, boys. Well, hey, well, we got Red Reds and Bengals to talk about. We ain't done yet. This is this is the Remington Tavern, George in the Jungle show. All right. I was going to say that there, there's there's a couple things I wanted to touch on with the Reds and the Bengals before we get out of here. Uh, but with the Reds, they have now started the preseason, and they've they've looked pretty good thus far. Um, Today was a little disaster in the eighth. Like they were in control of that game, and they they brought in a guy that uh, it's not going to make the team, and. He got drilled a little bit, but they, they ended in a tie today. But they, they were in control of that game when the main guys were playing. Yeah, I mean, what you look for. I mean, you look at how these pitchers are looking that they're going to rely on. And Frankie and Montas looked good today, George. What's that? Frank, Frankie Montas faced six batters, two strikeouts, two innings, no runs, no hits, no errors. It happened oh, we again. Lost his, we lost his audio again. It happened again. Happened. <laughs> you can see his reaction. <laughs> you don't know what happened there. Uh, we'll we're we're going to try, we're gonna try the thing. See if he there, can phone I, home. I, I have to keep going <laughs> in my setting. I have to keep going in and switching it to AirPods and back off. I don't know why. Take them out that. and set them on the ground. Well, what I do, you won't. All right, now try it. We're good yeah, so far. As long as oh, you don't pick them back up, we're good. The last time I, I the last time do this I and they were going to connect out. again. Are they gone? You did this. When you nope, do this, they good. reconnect. 
You're still good. So now, right now, you're good. You're golden. I am throwing them in the ocean tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Video or it didn't happen. Uh, but pitching's looked tremendous so far, uh, especially the guys that you expect to see around Frankie Montas, uh, Nick Lodolo, Hunter Green, as Hunter Green works in some new pitches. I can't say a bad thing about any of the pitching. Will Benson, his hitting has been outstanding thus far. Your boy Bubba Thompson, who's made the roster twice in the offseason, has been he's, yes. he's been on he's been making some noise. Um, but I don't know. You you've you've certainly gotten to see a little bit of a glimpse of what to expect, which honestly is guys playing everywhere. Yeah. And and it's going to be fascinating to watch this unfold. I mean, we're going to see it all through spring training, and then we're going to see it in the regular season. I mean, I the, the flexibility of this team is almost to the point where you worry about, is it too much flexibility? I mean, it's crazy to me. Um, the guys that they can play in all these different spots. Uh, so, you know, David Bell likes to tinker with stuff. Well, he's got so much to tinker with now. Um, you, you just hope that, uh, there's not too much tinkering, but we'll see how that plays out. But it's, it, it, there's it, people who have high hopes for this team. I have good reason for that because, you know, you saw how they played last year. And they, and again, we talked about this last week, Aaron, the young guys having to make the adjustment back, but, but they've, they've got some guys around that can help work them through that. And so, I, I'm high on this team. I really am. I mean, I'm kind of bullish on the the. I don't know what the win total is now for the season. It was like 82 or somewhere in there, and and I would go over that. Uh, let's see if uh, I can get some. If I can get that answer for you here in a moment, uh, but I don't know. It's it should be. I'm I'm certainly fascinated. They stand at three and one thus far in the young spring training season. Three, uh, one, and one, Aaron. Today was a tie. Yeah, there was a tie. Uh, but they got the Dodgers coming up who are at 5-0, and oh, and I think that's where you're really going to get to see what this team is made of at this point in this young spring training. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's um, – for. I mean, I, I'm just really focused on – I, I know the young guys and all that. We talk, you focus on that some, but th these pitchers and what they're going to do and who who the five are going to be or is it going to be six? Um, you know, is Hunter Green going to master these pitches because he tried that changeup last year and it seems like he's all but junked that, but uh, he was ecstatic about his splitter uh, after his performance. Andrew Abbott looked good, and, and I, I think he got the ball up uh, – he said throwing faster than he's thrown in spring training at this point ever or or this early in the year. So there's a lot of good things with that pitching, too. And if they get that locked down, I'm telling you, look out. Did you find what that total is by any chance? Or Still looking at even odds now, at 82 and a half. Now I'm talking myself into putting some money on this thing. Still looking at 80, 82 and a half, even odds. Okay. Well, here's – Here's what I love. You are in a position right now where with as a 162 game season unfolds. If something happens, 
you have pros. You do not have kids. Right. Right. You have enough kids. You don't need kids backing up the kids. You right. need Candelario. You need Josh Harrison. You need Nick Martini. Guys that have done it. Guys that are not going to be, uh, you know, there was too many times, guys, last, last year where somebody went down for two weeks. And Stuart Fairchild or Kevin Newman, like those are not proven veteran major leaguers. Great guys, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure they're awesome. I, I, I'm right. sure I would love to have a beer with, with all those guys last year that cycled through uh, the city. But they weren't going to help you when something happened, when, when somebody got injured, when there was a spot that needed to be filled. And I feel much more confident with the construction of this roster. You got rid of a third catcher, thank God. Yeah. You added, you added real, understandable depth for good pricing. Like they, they didn't go overpay for a lot of these dudes. That they, they went out and they made smart deals and they brought in guys that that aren't gonna create a massive drop off. Um. So I, I think that part is is outstanding. And I, I have a question. What is the ceiling for Benson? That's a very good question because he's an incredible athlete, former first-round pick who, quite honestly, produced well in the Cleveland system. It's just he had some injury issues. And I, they ran out of room for him, from what I heard, when they when they did. Yeah, well, they, they, they every kinda, time they brought him up, he stunk, Aaron. Like he looked like a four A guy. And 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 I think yeah, I think they kind of gave up on him. And yeah. I think part of it was uh, there were some injury things going on, and they just thought, okay, we we've, we've been down this road enough. We're not doing it anymore. So he um, was their Nick Senzel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of in a way. He, I, I don't know that he ever got that kind of chance with the big club that Nick got with the Reds. But um, I, you saw what he did last year. I think his ce- I'm super high on Will Benson. I think I think his ceiling is all star. Well, he was obviously a, a, a hot shot out of high school to be drafted where he was. Um, that doesn't always equate as we, you know, have seen over and over. But based on what we saw at the major league level last year and, you know, the intensity that guy plays with, we'll see. But he's going to have every opportunity to prove he can't do it. You know what I'm saying? He'll he'll. He'll be able to get as many chances as Nick got, probably. I, I think although, that's the, although I think there that's is the more people to take over that role if he can't do it, but I don't see why he can't. I think that's the interesting thing for me is can he become like Aaron? I think I think you're right. I think he can be an all-star. And if 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 he can ascend to that level where he's the I don't think he I don't think you want Will Benson to be the best player on your team. No. But if he's your fourth or fifth best player regularly with his ups, with his, you know, the the peaks being way up here, you're a playoff team. I firmly believe that. And I think the guy has the talent. I really do. 
that's I think that's the the fun like the most fun part about this roster as it's currently assembled is you have so much depth literally at every position on the field. And it's so I still young. think they're a tad bit thin in the outfield, the corners, the corner outfield spots, and they don't have with I like Fraley, TJ Friedel. With I was gonna say with Fraley Friedel, Benson, and and Steer. I still think that's yeah, because I I, I don't I don't dislike Friedel, but I don't know that he is a like a upper tier center fielder in Major League Baseball. Is that fair? When I think he's probably right Reds? around the middle. When was the last time the Reds had an upper tier center fielder? Uh, I mean, Billy Hamilton couldn't hit, but he was an incredible center fielder. Like they've had some guys that could defend out there, they just couldn't. The stick didn't match, so they didn't. They didn't make it in the major leagues, really. Um, but I think. Oh, there's George again. We can't hear you again. <laughs> George, George, <laughs> we can't hear you. <laughs> uh. You might actually be the last center fielder we had that was elite. Shin Shinsu Chu. Ryan Friel. Rest in peace. Man. That center, but I, I don't dislike Friedel, but there's nobody behind him in center, uh, at least right now, that we're confident in. And yeah, you have three I'm guys not... for two corner spots. Um I would just like maybe a touch more depth in the outfield, but you know there is talk of India playing out there and. Right. Well, wait a minute now they got Bubba. Bubba Thompson. <laughs> exactly. Easy, easy, old man. They got Bubba. Um, they they did make an interesting move. Bye. They they did make an interesting move putting Jose Barrera in the outfield yesterday. Yeah. Might have to. I mean, there's no room for him in the infield. Right. I don't, I don't think he, he's he's out of options. I don't know that he makes yeah. this roster. Truthfully, there's oh, not room for anybody in that infield. Mm -mm. I mean, that's crazy how many infielders. But um, yeah, the Barrera thing that is interesting. But I just that's it's a his guy last chance. Chance. Yeah, mm -hmm. they've given so many chances to him. How many more can you do? Yeah, so Steve, right now, now you know why I don't feel confident about the outfield. Fairchild's the only guy who can play center field behind Friedel. I don't I don't love Stuart Fairchild. Me either. I'd like I'd, I'd like for him to be someone else's child. I'd I'd love yeah. to be proven wrong, but I, I don't love Stuart Fairchild. Right. Um switching gears, I don't have anything left on, on Reds. We'll we'll see what happens, and I'm sure we'll have way more to talk about next week. But the last topic I have before we get out of here, George, and let you get back to your vacation. Uh, <laughs> but T Higgins got franchise tagged. And I, I believe it's what, 20, 28, two, 28, one, something like that. No, it's um, not that. It's right around 21, 22. Yeah. It's not, it's 20, not that high. Maybe, maybe I got my numbers inverse. Maybe it's 21, eight or something. Um, but 
the, this comes at the same time as they announced that the NFL was expanding the salary cap by about $30 million per team. 14. Were you surprised? Hmm? Well, so they expanded it, it got expanded by about 30 million per team. Right. But the the unknown part, Aaron, is it was they expected about 15, 16 million dollars of expansion in the cap, and it ended up being 30. So these teams all now have an extra 14 million dollars, 14, 15 right. million dollars that they did not expect. So the 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 30 overall. 15 of that, just to be clear, 15 of that was expected. Where I agree with you is, what do you do with that extra 14? Like, that changes a lot of math. A lot of math. For a lot of teams, especially those that were close to full up on their salary cap. But, George, were you surprised to see the the, the franchise tag applied to T. Higgins? And what do you think that this team does? Yeah, I wasn't surprised at all. I figured that was going to be the deal all along. Um and look, it buys them a little time. It might make T mad that there's no long-term deal, but it buys them a little time to figure out what they want to do long-term with this roster. And you get more room like that on the cap, and you got to think next year it's going to expand even more. Um, you know, even with Burrow and what they're going to have to pay Chase and, and all those, you know, how, how much do you put in these two wide receivers uh, when you got that kind of a payroll, but if it's going to expand like this, I really didn't think there was going to be a way to keep them all long-term, but they, at least they got time to think about it now. At least they're, you know, they know what Burroughs cost is. Uh, they're going to know what Chase's is because he's got to be taken care of. Certainly next off season, they're going to have a ballpark. They got to be talking to his people now, I would think. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And so maybe they can work it all out. And, you know, with this extra $14 million on the cap, there's a lot of happy guys come early March that are free agents this year that, you know, they're going to find a kind market, I think. Uh, but, but back to T, I was not shocked at all. I figured they would do that. I don't think they wanted to, you know, they're going to make another, hopefully have a healthy burrow. And, and try to make another run at a Super Bowl next year, and they'll figure this other stuff out as they go along and, and if there's a way to satisfy him long-term. I don't know that there is, that they can keep all those guys. Um, but, again, it buys them time to try to figure it out. Now, bear in mind that T. Higgins' agent is the same agent that represents Jesse Bates, and the Bengals did not have any luck after franchise tagging Jesse Bates and extending Jesse Bates onto a a contract extension. Uh, So I think it's going to be very interesting to see how this goes. Personally, I hope that they are able to find a deal to move T Higgins because I don't know of any team that's had large success after paying a quarterback and two receivers elite money. And I don't know how this team's going to do that. If that's a huge cap, you're right. Mm -hmm. But I also think that the Bengals probably wish they would have figured something out when it came to keeping Jesse Bates long-term. Absolutely. Uh, but as you're looking at the the salary cap expands pretty much every year, and with Jamar Chase's contract coming up here in the next year or so, you're thinking that, I, at least my head is thinking that it's probably going to be 
a bigger receiver contract than has ever been signed. And now you're going to have a quarterback contract that at its time was the biggest ever signed. And now you're looking at to keep Jamar Chase around the biggest wide receiver contract. And that's probably coming after a Justin Jefferson extension up yeah. in Minnesota. That's the key. Now, Jefferson probably gets done this offseason to reset mm-hmm. the bar. Yeah, I don't think I, do, I just I don't think that there's any way in hell that they're able to keep both of those receivers. And if you're prioritizing which receiver you want, you cannot prioritize T. Higgins over Jamar Chase, in my opinion. No, you're not going to. Um, and I agree with you. The likely scenario is they play this year, try to make a run of the Super Bowl with both those guys, and then let those chips fall. And, and you know, if they end up uh, letting him walk, that that's what they got to do. Um, Here's the thing. Oh. I think you would agree with this, George. If Joe Burrows is great as everybody here thinks he is, he can work in another two. They can yeah. find somebody to be the two. I agree. Yep. And if you're maybe they're not as good as T, maybe they're not a one because T's probably a one, but you can find somebody to be a two next to Jamar and be effective and, and productive. Right. If you're T's moving and what is one money. Yeah. If you're if you're moving T Higgins, though, you're potentially getting into the what top 10, top 15 of the of the first round, I would think. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a tag and trade, Aaron. I really don't. I think they look at this and they say I really hope it is. I don't yeah, think I don't think is. they're gonna do that either. I really think they, they're thinking they're gonna make a run. I would just think I that think you'd they, be able to they're going all in. I would just think you'd be able to protect Burrow better by getting an offensive lineman if you're able to move up in the draft and have you know if you're if you're not re-signing Jonah, doesn't seem they are. Right. I, I would think that you'd be able to use the money that you had for T and get either another piece, maybe a receiver in the first half of the draft. Really like the kid out of Washington, personally. Uh, if not, if you're not getting Brock Bowers, which I don't, I don't see this team going after a tight end in any first round. Um, but I don't know. I, I just I think that there's other ways that you could allocate that money, that twenty twenty two million dollars, uh, on a lot of other pieces that protect Joe Burrow more than a number two receiver does, which I think that you see a lot of success right now out of receivers translating from the college ranks into the pros. And I just think that that's going to be easier, easier to replicate than, you know, some of these, some of these offensive linemen and and such. Well, what you're saying does make sense long-term, but I, I think they really feel like we got a chance to win a Super Bowl right now. Got a chance, our to, best chance to do it. Their, is Jamar and yeah, I think they think it's their window, and they're going to try to to make the most of it while they got it, um, and then let the rest fall where it may, and and figure it out after that. that that's what I think. I just I don't see them moving him. I think they're going to keep this, him. And this is why we have Madden and mock drafts. <laughs> right. Exactly. Ugh. Exactly. The comments today were, were interesting. Uh, Duke Tobin and Zach Taylor both mm-hmm. spoke from the combine today. Last year it was, uh, don't bother calling us on T. This year it was, uh, we really love T, but the phone is on the hook. We have not taken the phone off the hook like we did last year, but I think you have to send that message because – Right. There's a possibility that somebody calls you and makes a crazy offer. So yeah. you have to 
phone lines be open. Yeah, I, I think it'll be fascinating to see what happens as things develop. Did you just hear George's dog? That's not my. That's not Spud. I, I I think if you're if you're going to make a move for T Higgins, uh, if, as the Bengals are going to trade, if they're going to trade him, I would think that it's going to be sometime between now and the draft, uh, probably. Yeah. This, well, that's also Aaron potentially why you tagged him at the mm -hmm. very start yep. of this process. You did not let any time go by. You did not. Most teams wait until like the final day and then they tag their guy on the final day. Cincinnati within one day. They, they knew well, they knew the they weren't going to be able to negotiate the, the extension. Right. They knew. Right. It's going to be very interesting what they how it plays out, but but my read on what has come out so far is that they will listen, but their preference is to run it back with T one more year and try to get a Super Bowl. Uh, Crypt Keeper in the chat. Joe Mixon has one more year because he did re, uh, restructure his deal last season to extend into next season. And uh, I'm not certain he's going to be a Bengal come kickoff of game one, but we'll see well, stranger things have happened. Aaron, that decision is going to have to be made. If that decision is going to be made, it will be made in the next two weeks because so, he has a three and a half million dollar roster bonus that comes up in the middle of, of March. I don't, and I don't, know how much dead money he is if you cut him today i mean the thing is can you pay eight million dollars for a middle of the road back that, that you don't use that you don't yeah that you don't really enough. put a lot of put a lot of emphasis on so i can't imagine i mean we'll know we'll know i, I can't imagine that he's back but They've yeah. made stranger decisions with Joe Mixon before, right? Like plenty of how many times have we thought Joe oh, Mixon I'll, was not going to be here next year? Well, Dead to rights, right? Last year at this time, I thought there was no way he was going to be back, and then they do that deal, and I felt like he played when they used him, played as well as he played with the Bengals since they got him. Yeah. So I mean, they may ride him out, and I don't blame them for doing it. A lot of analytics are showing that. He was just average, though. He just had enough touches that he was able to he, – he was almost a stat compiler last season as opposed to sure. a, a guy who was out there just getting big chunk yardage. So I, I don't know that you can't get his production out of a stable of guys um, by spending a fraction of the money. So uh, it'll be plenty of pieces that we could see some some movement on before the draft. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't have done that deal that they did and brought him back. But once they did, I, and I know what those you said, those analytics, but what I saw, he ran as hard and angry. And and, and when, when Jake Browning got in, they finally started throwing a few screens and stuff to him, too. I, I thought he was a, a viable part of that offense. They just didn't use him much. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens here over the course of the next week or so before we talk again here on, on next Tuesday night. But uh, I'm excited to see what the future holds for the roster rebuilding going into next the season. The NFL has this figured out, man. They're 300 and however many days, 365 a year, man. There's always something cooking in the NFL. It's nonsense. Well, it's crazy. 
how, how is, well they have, how, I mean, how well they have managed. Them. Even in the six weeks when they get done with, with many camps and OTAs and all that and before training camp, there's always guys getting in trouble or spouting off or something. It's just like a soap opera that never ends. Well, it looks like next Tuesday will be after the Oklahoma game, um, which tips off at 8 p.m. So we'll be doing a, a late show on that one. Well, I'll but, be back on that, the PC. And that's I a 9 have... o'clock tip off? 8 o'clock. 8 o'clock. 8 o'clock. Yep. Okay. <laughs> so I can live with 8, I guess. <laughs> Uh, other than that, I don't have anything left here, gentlemen. George, how Boys, long are you I've, on vacation? I'll be back sometime Saturday, Saturday early afternoon. All right, never mind. But I'll be up, uh, oh, I got eight hours before it's time for breakfast and golf. <laughs> we'll, we'll let you get some sleep and, and thank your wife for letting us steal you away from vacation. Give that adorable little puppy a kiss for us, George. Spud's wide awake now. I I don't know if she's alert, though. She had plenty out by the pool today, if you know what I mean. On that note, George, we will see you next week. That's, right, another, episode, that's another episode of George in the Jungle, again, presented by Remington Tavern. You can find them at 8892 Glendale Milford Road, 45140, with daily happy hours from 3 to 7 p.m., $5 Woodford Wednesdays. Find them on Instagram at Remy Tav Cincy and follow them on Facebook. Again, uh, thank you to Galactic Fried Chicken for always supporting us on the nightcap. Be sure to check them out in Dayton, Kentucky. Remember, pump it up. Save yourself 15%. But until next Tuesday where we do another crossover episode for perhaps the last time this season, we'll see. Uh, for Chad Brendo, for George Bogle, I'm Aaron Smith. We'll see you next week. Thank you, boys.